Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, good evening, welcome to this week's Man on the Post. Uh, my name is Chris, I'm your guest host for this week. With me, I have got Colin. Hi there. I've got Greg. Evening. And I've got Tom. Hello. Hello. Right, we should be talking this week about the uh, round of the Premier League action. Uh, we'll also be dropping into the Championship and down to League Two for a spot of Portsmouth. But what I want to start with, this is something we had on the Extra Time show this week. Um, the original Ronaldo has come out of retirement to sign for Fort Lauderdale, uh, play the second tier of the MLS, um, and prompted me to ask Emma and Mark who they would like to see come out of retirement. Uh, one said Zidane, the other one said Eric Cantona, I said Kevin Gallen. Uh, so, prompted me to ask you guys, so Greg, who would you like to see come out of retirement? Robert Prozanecki. I knew you were going to say something like that. I suggested yeah. that to um, to Emma. Yeah, it was back in the day where I was couldn't have been, you know, older than ten, eleven, when he was had his year at Portsmouth, and he was incredible. He he did it. He couldn't run. He couldn't jump. Smoked forty a day, but he he ran every game. And I said, well, he could still do it now. I reckon. At the age of forty six, he's now manager of the Azerbaijani football team. That's right. Well, he still do a better did. job. He still do a better job than our current midfield. Yeah, I I would have him in in my in my ports of side at the moment he was in, he was incredible a real talent and one of the few players to be university uh, be adored by both madrid and barcelona fans well he and could he stand on the post he could just stand on the center circle couldn't he just spraying passes that's all he did and then we get a free kick and he'd more often than not score it yeah you don't need to run around for that do you yeah, also played for two different national sides as well. Yeah, played for yeah, Yugoslavia and Croatia. Yeah, it was, it's a good quiz, quiz question, isn't it? The one that he was the first player to play for two different countries at a World Cup. That was Robert yeah. Mm. Yeah. Colin, what's your what's your answer, Tom? I reckon I I actually thought Greg would pick Prozanecki, and I reckon Greg can probably guess who I'm going to pick as well. Um. Uh, I'm not sure. I almost went Paul Merson. It's, I think you Paul Merson. Yeah, there's contenders like Merson, but it's, for me, it's got to be Limboy. Of course, yeah. Limboy. He's my, probably my, one of my all-time favourite favourite Portsmouth players, favourite players generally. Just and to, he's just such a nice bloke. You can't, you can't. I don't think anyone's ever met a nicer bloke than Limboy Primus. No one's ever said anything bad about him, ever. And there's not enough footballers like that. What does he do now? I don't even know. He has, a, he has, a, he worked, he has his own charity, which he oh, just he. got an MBE for. Uh, that, and then he is on his list. He gets even nicer. Yeah, he is, I think he is just a, a genuinely decent bloke. So, is he nicer than Arjun Zuzu? 
That's a good question. Yeah, probably. If if I saw Limboy, I wouldn't be scared. If I saw saw Arjun Zim, I'd be a little bit scared because he was yeah. a bit of a unit, wasn't he? But Limboy, Limboy's not. No, he's just a lovable unit. <laughs> he's, he reminds me of a lion, like, but like he's, a nice he's lion. He's got the mane. Yeah. Well, just, he was Tony Blair's favourite player, wasn't he? Was he? Yeah, he did an interview once, and I think he tried to sound a bit hipster and football focused, and said Dizzy was his favourite player. <laughs> okay, if you say so, I've never heard that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what he said. Colin, you got any favourites you want to, you'd uh, happily see come back? I don't, I don't know, maybe a, a weird one, but I'd, I'd go with Ali McCoist. Um, mainly because I, I it, it was just on that cusp of me getting into football, so I didn't really sort of appreciate how good he was. And the fact that Scotland haven't had a good player for so long. I'd, I'd just like to maybe see him again and, and see how he'd get on in modern football. I reckon he could still do a job. So I'd go with Super Alley. Well, the Ranger, Ray, Rangers are going, you might get your wish. Well, I don't know. I think his Rangers days are probably up now. What with him being on gardening leave and the shenanigans going on there. Yep. Okay, well that's that um, sorted. I think we're going to make a good team out of the players we've picked. And uh, first game of the weekend, I suppose we should better talk about then is the big one this afternoon: Manchester City versus Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal won two 0 goals from uh, Corzola and also from Giroud. And uh, first was a penalty. First of all, was it a penalty? Can anybody see a case for not awarding it? Yeah, it was. A, it was a penalty, wasn't it? It's just it was a bit, it was a bit lazy from company and it was dramatic from Monreal. But it was still a penalty. There's still contacts. He stopped him getting past. Is he obliged to move out of the way though, or is he? Well, he hasn't. He has, it's not like he's just stood his ground. He has moved into into Monreal's path, hasn't he? Yeah. It's not like one of those that you see all the time where a defender just stood still and the strikers ran into him, and fallen over. Because I hate those being given as free kicks. Because well, they, they always get them as well. But this is a case of actually blocking a run by moving yourself. So I think I don't think there's really much of a case to argue against argue against the penalty here. No, he got quite mouthy as well, didn't he? Company towards the ref. He was, yeah. It's, it's just frustration, really. He didn't. He didn't, he didn't look have a very good game. He looks. He looked a bit off the pace. He looked like he'd been rushed back when he wasn't quite ready. Yeah. Because we know Vincent Company for me is is a fantastic defender, but he, I think you could tell that he wasn't he wasn't fit enough to play play in that game. No, no, probably wasn't. Maybe if they got Torre, maybe he would have been rested for another game. But Arsenal play well. They they didn't defend as a group of individuals. They defended as a whole team. I mean, I I can't remember their keeper having an awful lot to do. Um, and they seemed to play as a cohesive unit, didn't they? Yeah, it's an, an Arsenal that we you're not used to seeing. Um, it's unusual, isn't it? Even the, even the pundits were surprised. Yeah, yeah. Um, Graeme Souness called them a group of son-in-laws, which I'm not entirely sure what that means. Son-in-laws? Yeah, he just said they're a group of son-in-laws, and Tierra and we, Reed just looked at him a bit confused. Somebody rang up 606 tonight saying the Arsenal-type players took inspiration from knowing Henri was there, and that was why they won. Uh, that's just such rubbish, isn't it? <laughs> Clutching at straws. <laughs> yeah, very much so. But I mean, they definitely deserved it, didn't they? They um, oh, definitely, yeah. 
they look pretty good going forward as well. Then Corzola, I thought, has had a fantastic game. He put some good tackles in, didn't he? He was the best player on the pitch. He was fantastic. He's he's always been very gifted with the ball at his feet. Um, you know, he can he can beat a player. He can pick a pass. He's got fantastic delivery, as we saw from the second goal. But today, he kind of did the, the dirty work as well. We won the ball a lot in midfield. Um, and that's what Arsenal have lacked a little bit, you know, that ball-winning midfielder to protect the back four. But they had that player that, and, you know, Cochran had a good game. Um, and so did, you know, Cazorla, who played that kind of more defensive role really well when required. Mm. Well, Arteta's out for a while, isn't it? So maybe it's something he can do for a little bit longer. I wouldn't be surprised if Finger went out and, and bought another defensive midfielder anyway. Yeah, well, he can play that you don't get any decent value for one of your players in January. Um, kind of forgetting the fact that he had all summer to sort this out as well. So yeah. you kind of wonder who's going to get of any decent quality. So were Arsenal really good and City bad, or did Arsenal just not let City play? I think Arsenal didn't let City play, but City looked toothless. They didn't... Well, I'm, I'm, I think they, they went there thinking Arsenal would be a typical Arsenal away at a big team in the last few years and just roll over. Mm. But once they they realised they were up for a fight, they just they didn't really look up for it. No, they didn't, did they? They they looked kind of lacking. How did Lampard? They, I think, I, I think we're not giving it enough credit for Arsenal here. To be fair, the Man City were poor, but it's, that's mainly because of Arsenal. I mean, they didn't allow Aguero to have a sniff. They didn't let David Silva get on the ball at all. They didn't let the wingers run at them. They, they, it was just, it was the complete away performance, really. I remember a lot. Of, I seem to remember a lot of interceptions from Silva passes. Not so much tackles on him, but he, the ball just wasn't finding who he was going to. It's because he's. It's what happens when you don't get the ball much in a game. You look to try and pull out a Hollywood pass every time. And it doesn't come off, and you haven't, you don't see the ball for another twenty minutes, so you feel like you've got to do more. Yeah. Okay. Um, the game today was West Ham three, Hull nil. Um, Hull drop into the bottom three. Their third bottom on nineteen points, below Burnley on twenty. Colin, you were saying that Steve Bruce is the new odds on manager to get the get the sack. Uh, no, not quite. Um, at the moment, Redknapp's a favourite. Uh, Paul Lambert's second favourite and Steve Bruce's third favourite but Steve Bruce is also coming in quite short um, at the moment so um, I think Steve Bruce could be in trouble if I had to put money on any of those three I'd put money on Steve Bruce being the next to go why is that? because Hull are on a downward slide it's not it's not all of Steve Bruce's making if if you look at their injuries they've got more injuries than anybody else um, that, that, sorry that's not true they've got the same amount of injuries as Newcastle United who are also in the in the mess but but Hull have got Bruce out Chester Brady Hernandez Jelovic Rosinia Robertson Diarmi and Snodgrass and, and the majority of those are, are sort of not going to come back anytime soon um, and I don't think Steve Bruce would be too unhappy if he got sacked because I think there's a, a job waiting for him at Newcastle United. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The fans would be happy with him. 
as a, as a Newcastle fan? I, I, I think Hull should be doing better. I, I, we, there's a few, I can't remember who it was, but there was at least I was one of them. There were two or three others that said Hull had done the best best business in the August transfer window, and the, the players they signed they should be they shouldn't be anywhere near the relegation zone. Selling Shane Long seems a bit of a stupid idea now, doesn't it? In retrospect, well, well, who have they got up front now? Well, nobody. They've got Yelovich and Hernandez, who are both injured. Well, this is this is interesting, isn't it? Because a year ago, you could probably say West Ham and Hull were about at the same level, um, and it was Hull who prospered. And and at the time, it was West Ham who didn't have a striker. I, th- I think it was Nolan who was playing the attacking role at one point. And and just see how a year can change things. Um, I, I I worry for Hull. They haven't even got Danny Graham anymore. <laughs> the, the, I think I think they'll be all right. I think they've got enough quality in that team, in their squads to see how, whether it's with without um, Bruce or not. I think one of the I think this could be a reason why Bruce goes. I think they've, the the players they've got. It might need a new manager to come in and make them butt their ears up, butt their ears up, butt their ideas up. It's, it's, you see it happen sometimes, don't you? With someone like two Tony Poulis comes in and keeps them up, like what he'll probably do with West Brom. We've seen it at Birmingham, haven't we? Gary Rowett's come in and all of a sudden that team has shot up the We've seen it with Crystal Palace. Well, I was saying, the, 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 the whole West Ham, it was a strange because Hull started really well. But Sonny Aluko was giving James Tonkins all kinds of problems. Um, but they didn't. They they created plenty of good opportunities. They just didn't take any, and that was their their downfall. And then West Ham, you know, they scored. Um, Andy Carroll, you know, got a nice tapping in the box. But then the second two were really nice finishes. Um, and West Ham by the you know, by the end, West Ham were looking you know, really comfortable and could have made it more. Well, they're seventh now, aren't they? They're only three points behind Arsenal in fifth, and four behind United in fourth. Well, well, Greg, you make a good point. I mean, the thing is, let's not take away from West Ham because West Ham had a good team, and, and when they put it together, it, it really works. And I don't know if you remember this, Chris. I think it was on my only appearance this season. I think it was quite early on. On this is the one when you predicted that Liverpool win the league. Uh, no, I think I predicted that on on this podcast. But on let, let's let's move past that one. Um, but I remember having a chat with with you, Chris, and I. I remember saying, watch out for West Ham. They're not that bad. They'll be okay this season. Um, and I think that surprised you a little bit. But, yeah, it's all coming good for West Ham. Mm. Was there a point ahead of of your um, type of predictions, Liverpool? Yes, well, I can't I can't get around the Liverpool one, can I? I mean, what's happened, what's happened at Liverpool is, you know, a little bit strange. But, um, I'm looking at the positives about my prediction on West Ham, not the negatives, which was my terribly wrong prediction about Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> you tapped your nose and winked at me and said, keep an eye on Liverpool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> should, we talk, should, we, should we talk about that? They beat Villa 2-0, didn't they? Um, no surprise. Ricky Lambert scored. Two of their strikers scored and Balotelli still didn't. Yeah. I like Barini. I think he's a pretty underrated player. I like Barini as well. I think he's a good squad player for a team like them. Yeah, definitely. He's a player that sort of he's got a positive attitude when he comes on. 
But there was a lot of derision on my timeline when on my Twitter timeline when uh, Lambert came on. There was even more derision after when he scored because people would then think that Rogers would think it's a good idea and he'll do it every week. It's strange how Lambert's gone from being the main man down at Southampton and now he's just a just a, a fringe player at Liverpool. He, he seems almost treated like a competition winner. He gets just, a, a token. You know, run out of start in the the capital cup, or they're, they're throwing the captain's armband for it as well. We'll get twenty minutes off the bench here and there. An England cap. Yeah, he'll still get he'll still get the England squad, there, won't he? That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I was thinking competition winner, just as you said it. Yeah, he that is how he looks. Surely he won't be in any more England squads, particularly with how good old Andy Carroll's doing. And Harry Kane, and Harry Kane, yeah. Charlie the future. There's lots. There's lots of good English because I was I was watching some of the highlights there, and I was like, I, maybe Dwight Gale should be getting more of a Danny Ings scoring goals. And looking for England, yeah, because Charlie Austin scoring goals. You've got Gale, Gale's got ten goals. Austin's got thirteen. I think Ings must be in double figures. Kane's obviously doing all right for Tottenham. There's a lot of good. Young English strikers about at the moment. This is a golden age again. Golden, <laughs> golden, generation. golden generation. Yeah. From a personal point of view, I was pretty pleased that Liverpool kept a clean sheet and played so well without Steven Gerrard. They've got a plan for the future. Yeah, but I think if you need to use Gerrard, use him. Well, he's injured, I think, at the moment. But I think Henderson. Is looking like the future there. They're trying to mould him into that Gerard role, aren't they? They're, they're giving him the captain's armband. He's get being encouraged to make them bursting runs from midfield. Yeah, and he was um, he, it was a lovely ball into Barini for the opener. Yeah, he's come through a lot of things because he got slated because he joined at the same time as Andy Carroll, didn't he? And he, he got pilloried to bits because of his transfer fee. But it's looking kind of good now. He's a good, he's a good young player to build your, to build a side around. I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree to some extent. Looking kind of good, keeping a clean sheet, but it was against Aston Villa. I'd argue a lot of teams could do that. Aston Villa had a shot though, they had a couple of shots, which is more than than usual. Villa, Villa, how I don't know how they stuck with Paul Lambert this long. Well, there's more going beyond the scenes, isn't yeah. there? He's not getting on the Randy Normally, sell up. scapegoat manager, and they've been terrible for a few years now with Lambert in charge. And normally the manager is a scapegoat straight away. And with them, their fans, have, they've scored 11 goals in the Premier League this year in 22 games. That's one every two games. That's pathetic. He kind of thinks, because I think the owner wants to sell, doesn't he? And he doesn't want to invest any money in the club. So he kind of thinks, well, if I get rid of Lambert, who's going to want to come here? Well, I think there's a lot of managers who who would touch Villa with a barge pole. Definitely. I think there's a lot of managers who jump at it. But I think Randy Lerner's made the decision. I'm not spending... He, he must be losing money on Villa. Um, and I was listening to Match of the Day... I think it was Match of the Day 2 Extra. Or it could have, it could have been... It, it could have been six or six, I can't remember. But somebody made a, perhaps a valid point that maybe in order to, to get this sale going, 
and get Villa going, they might have to get relegated. It might not be a bad thing for Villa to get relegated because then they could rebuild again. They yeah. strike me as they strike me as sort of sort of like Wigan have done. Wigan in the Premier League doing absolutely nothing and just getting gradually, gradually worse every year until they get relegated. That sort of seems to me what Villa are doing at the moment. Yeah, it's a shame because they're a, they are a really, really big club. Massive. Massive club. Mm. Yeah. But the problem is, I mean, I heard the rumours, I don't know how true this is, is, is that maybe Delph is going to be on his way from Villa in the January transfer window, possibly even to Liverpool. Would Benteke stay? Oh, if they got relegated, no. But... I mean, there's a, there's a nucleus for a, you know, a decent side there. You've got, obviously, you've got Benteke up front. You've got Westwood and Delph in the middle, who you know, are good industrious, um, ball players, and then you've got Vlar at the back, even though his deal is up at the end of the season. Um, so it's not like they're just a, there's a complete lack of talent um, there. It's just there is a negative style and a lack of investment. And I think that the club, in a sense, is in a rut. I think that that that's been his problem. Yeah. Um. The other current blue team also lost as well. Burnley, 2-0 up against Crystal Palace, conspired to lose 3-2. Um, before we talk about how well Crystal Palace did, the Burnley goal, the one that where they sort of fought on the um, the touchline. Dan, do you thought... Yeah, I don't think that was a goal. Well, well, I, I think the ball went out of play and it probably was a foul. Well, Pardew said it was a foul, yeah. And then the other goal was um, the corner was taken half a yard from outside the corner quadrant. So yeah, that happens every right. game, though, doesn't it? I mean, I'm not sure what you know they, what they're getting from that. Well, they scored these these professional. Players. How much more difference does that half a yard make? I'm not. I don't see the point in it. No, I think it's just trying to sort of sneak an extra advantage, isn't it? even if you might want to just stick it to the near post or something. The Palace did well, don't they? Coming back from 2-0 down, I mean, they look like a resilient team in the party, don't they? They're they, 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 they play nice football as well. They've, um, they've got some, you know, Zaha looking to become, he's becoming more consistent, um, particularly at, at this level. Um, Punchin gives them, a, he's a bit like Zaha, but he's got that killer instinct, doesn't he? He's a very underrated player. He did well with Blackpool, didn't he, when they were in the Premier League? Yeah. Um, and um, in Dwight Gale, they've got someone who just looks like a natural goal scorer. And Glenn Murray's back again, isn't he? Yeah, he almost scored a lovely goal, didn't he? That hit the yeah. Place. He could get a few as well, couldn't he? Yeah, well, they've got Sonogo on loan as well. We'll see, that could be an interesting one because... He's, a, he's obviously got some talent because he wouldn't be at Arsenal if he didn't. So it would be interesting to see how he, you know, given like given a run in the side, yeah, how he does. Well, I think I think the other thing as well is that you've you've got to say there's a Pardew factor going on, and he he made some good points in his post-match conference when he said that he felt one of the issues was that some of the strikers, some of them are quite young that confidence was an issue and that he's just helping them get over it and that they just need to get some goals and then everything will start clicking into place. And I think he's got a point. I, th- I think if Pardew does well with Palace, people might start to quite appreciate him as a manager. I, I think I think Pardew's all right, you know. 
he does like himself. I think that gets in people's noses, doesn't it? But which top man? Jose doesn't. Pellegrini doesn't. Ferguson didn't. Well, they can they can back it up a little bit, can't they? Yeah. Well, well, well yes, but then they're, they're they're not they've not been at the teams that Pardew's been at, have they? Let 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 let's see. I mean, yeah, maybe Pardew's a bit of a target of fun, but it seemed a bit of a weird decision at the time to leave Newcastle. But now it looks like a inspired decision. Yeah. Uh, well, Newcastle they lost at home, didn't they? Two one to Southampton. Rather freaky goal for Newcastle, but Southampton march on, don't they? Which was pleased you, Greg and Tom, tremendously. Uh, I didn't watch this game, funnily enough. <laughs> well, whoever was on this podcast last week, I can't, I can't remember his name, but the guest, the, the Pompey guest who was on last week said it was just the fact that they're playing so tremendously well sort of sticks to his crawl the most. It's not like they're up there luckily in third place, it's the fact that they've sort of played so well and got there. Well, I think they have had a few lucky moments, haven't they? I think they've had a, a couple of Chelsea and Man City. There, there was the dives that weren't and should have been a penalty. There, I think I saw a Newcastle fan yesterday on Twitter moaning about a play in handball which wasn't given. Oh, that was a handball, wasn't it? He stuck, yeah, in, they, he stuck his arm in the way. Yeah, they've got which so they they are getting away with. Um, a couple of things, but you you know to to do well, you do need luck on your side. Yeah, definitely. So, if you're Ronald Koeman, do you strengthen your squad in January as a push sort of towards the Champions League places, or do you think I'm happy with the players I've got and stick? I think it's up to him. It's it's it's, it's his own philosophy. Um, I don't think he's being dictated to by the Southampton hierarchy on what he should and shouldn't do. Um, so if he needs to spend, and I think he, he should do, but if he thinks, right, no, it's we'll wait till the end of the season, then also fine. I mean, it, it's not an mm. issue, I don't think, if Southampton drop out of the top five. I mean, I don't think it, it's not looking like it's going to happen anytime soon, but even if they did finish seventh, eighth, it'd still be a good, it'd be a good season for Southampton, wouldn't it? Oh, definitely. I'm not sure if if they what they could do to actually strengthen that team in January transfer window because they've got a pretty solid team and they're not going to attract the the world class players to improve it. So do they do they really need to strengthen them? They they, they seem they they're a club that's always liked giving their youngsters a game and they've produced so many of them. Is there any need to? bring in players so the youngsters don't get a game? No, probably not, because they seem to, when someone like Schneidlin and Wanyama drops out, they've got someone more than adequate to come in and replace them. Uh, next game is uh, Leicester versus Stoke. This is 1-0 to Stoke, wasn't it? Bojan scored a rather lovely goal. Very nice. It was, it was very nice indeed. Leicester, I think, I think again, a bit like Villa, they've got the makings of a pretty decent team there. Yeah, they they obviously they started so well and they they've had you know, a tricky time of it of late. Um, I think yesterday is that if you want to remain in the division, then Stoke at home is probably a game that you might target. Although Stoke, yeah. that Stoke have been fairly good on the road this season. They've picked up some good away wins um, away at Tottenham and away at Man City. But if you want, that's the kind of game where you need to at least at least a point. 
Yeah, with their old traffic decks, they can't be Leicester, so they could have done with something there, especially as QPR, Hull, and whoever else dropped points down there. Yeah, I think it could be quite tight. I think this it could be, it could go down to the wire this year, and I wouldn't I wouldn't rule out Leicester, you know, staying up because they have good quality. They this it'd be interesting what this new um, nine million pound man is like because he's been you know banging him in in the Croatian league um, more than the goal game, and that might not you know you might just say oh who's he playing against, but he's also been scoring international level and in the Europa League. So he's he's scoring at you know whoever you're putting in front of him he's scoring so it'd be interesting to see how he works out. Yeah, would you remember Matai Kesman then? Yeah, don't we all? <laughs> he's doing very well, haven't we? At all sorts of levels, and he came over here and completely flopped. I put him on my dream team one year. That was an enormous mistake. Uh, keep you on your Manchester United too. Watch it this. I thought that um, I thought QPR were rather unlucky. They were more than capable of exposing United in defence. And if it wasn't for De Gea and goal signal from Charlie Austin, uh, QPR could have got at least a draw out of this. They only got the second goal United in the sort of 95th minute, didn't they? Mm. It was... Um, saying that Rob Green did have a, a very good game. Him well, and Falcao had a, had a personal battle going on. <laughs> he's been our player of the season this year. I think we'd be, we'd be below Leicester and well below Leicester if it wasn't for him. <laughs> Yeah, he made the the one from the header was a fantastic save. Yes, he was going the other way, wasn't he? Yeah, that was um but no cheaper I it's just there's some players in that side, the likes of Carl Henry and you think you know, should you know is that the kind of player that's gonna keep you in the this league? No, I'm not too look- sure. And you know, Rednaps, you know, he, I think now people are Perceived him for the, the tactical charlatan that he is. He has no idea how to set up a, um, a team away from home, and that's shown with QPR's record this year. Mm. And I think if QPR want to stay up, I think getting rid of Redknapp might be the, the best thing they could do towards that. To get in who? Um, good question. Well, well, um, well, here's the thing as well, Greg, because the thing is. What Harry's done, maybe quite cleverly, he's got so many coaches in with him as well. Um, so, for example, he's got Glenn Hoddlin, who, who I found out apparently only works two days a week. And he's got all the, you know, obviously he's got Joe Jordan with him. And I think, it's, I can't remember the names, but it's about, I think it's about three or four others as well. Because I think, you, you've, Greg, you've said in the past that from your experience at Portsmouth, Redknapp didn't really do much of the training. Um, oh no! Um, no. So if you if QPR do get rid of Harry, he's probably going to take his cohort with him, which is probably not going to be cheap for Fernandez to get rid of them all and then replace them. Um, plus, Harry believes there's someone on the inside who's leaking stuff to the press. Yeah, I read that. It sounds a bit paranoid, doesn't it? A mole. Yeah. Well, the other thing as well, Fernandez is obviously a little bit distracted at the moment as well with his airline. Yeah. And what's happened there. So maybe that's not the thought. I mean, but he must have someone. I mean, you've got Amibatia or Phil Beard or someone that can maybe make a decision. The, the other thing as well is did anybody see um, Louis van Gaal referring to QPR as Queen's Park <laughs> Raisins? That, that's I, I don't know if he meant to say Queen's Park Raisers. 
or Queen's Park Rangers, but it definitely wasn't Queen's Park Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> Again, if, if, if you go onto Twitter, I'll just Google it on the internet, you can find a vine um, of Queen's Park Rangers. Maybe they do a better job. Uh, Swansea nil, Chelsea 5. This was imperious, this was. This was... Um, I can't remember, I think it was the second goal, wasn't it, where they sort of tick-attacked around the edge of the area before scoring. They look absolutely yeah. fantastic, Chelsea. You, can't, you can tell it might be a long afternoon for Swansea when they're when they were down after four minutes, was it? Oh, no, 40 seconds, sorry. Yeah. But the two yeah. of the goals were exactly the same, weren't they? Just like Swansea just passed the ball straight to the Chelsea player in, in front of goal. It was like, it's almost embarrassing. It's like watching Sunday League at one point. It did have a training ground feel about it. How Chelsea were just so dominant and the contest was over from very early on. Yeah, I was I, I was quite looking forward to Ashley Williams versus Diego Costa. I thought that might get a bit spicy, but it, it didn't. <laughs> of course, Saturday they were getting a bit wound up with each other. I've been a bit disappointed by Costa and there's a lack of that this season. Yeah, he hasn't had too many um, times when he's uh, been really well. There was one game at Sunderland where he was being kicked up in the air and getting a bit annoyed, but that's the only time, really, that I can remember him looking like a liability. Yeah. Oh, there's the Everton game, wasn't he, where he, um, he sort of rubbed the head of, I can't remember it was, was it Seamus Coleman or something, after he scored? Yeah, I think I can recall that, yeah. So yeah. He's, he's got that in it, that streak in him, hasn't he? It is fun. Uh, and then finally, the last game of the weekend was, or last game so far, because we've still got a game tomorrow, but the last game so far was Tottenham 2, Sunderland 1. Is it um, eight of Tottenham's last nine wins have been 2-1? Are they really? And Ericsson yes. scoring last-minute winners? and Yeah, it's happening a lot. Because uh, it should have been 3-1, shouldn't it? But Jan Vertonghen was offside and sorry. Yeah. Strange. How can the linesman give that? I don't understand, because he, he must notice that there's no one in his half. It was a good five yards inside his yeah. own half as well. Uh, well, they're down to six now, they're still winning today. Um, you've got Tottenham on 37 points, Arsenal on 39, and United on 40 uh, in fourth place. So, it's very close. It's very, very tight. Even Liverpool down in eighth, only five points off United. It's getting a, getting quite tight. In the it end, is, isn't it? In, in that middle part of the league, and I think, yeah, it could, it could get fairly interesting. I think, with uh, particularly that fourth spot, because by the end of the season there could be a lot of teams competing for that spot. Or third and fourth, isn't it? Third, you've got yeah. City blown it. There's this because Chelsea are now five points ahead, aren't they? But they've already lost eight points once. Like, you can't really see them doing it again. Well, they go to Stamford Bridge in a couple of weeks, don't they, City? Um, I think that is make or break. I mean, yeah. Chelsea win that, done and dusted. I think so. Do you guys think the same? I possibly, but I I don't know. You can see Man City going on a run where they win win six or seven games in a row, and if Chelsea draw a couple, then they're still right back into it, even if they don't win at Stamford Bridge. 
if once they get Aguero and company back to full fitness, Yaya Torre back from Africa Cup of Nations, they're going to be they're going to be a force, and you're not going to see many teams taking points of them. I don't think. Bonnie as well. Ugh, to come off the bench for a minute every game. He's their Denver Bar, isn't he? That's my Denver Bar signing this year. That'd be the biggest waste of thirty million the Premier League's ever seen. Swansea must be laughing. I I disagree. I I think. If City do win it, that Boney signing might have been the, the thing that triggered it. I rate him. I think City are still in it. I think I think they are. This Premier League has been crazy. You know, where you've got Southampton third place, West Ham doing so well. What's happened to, to teams like Liverpool, you know. I, I think there's still opportunities for Man City to catch up. And I think there's, there's potential banana skins all over the place for Chelsea. I'm not 100% about them at the moment. Um, Man City are the champions at the end of the day. So I, I think it'd be crackers to rule them out. Though Paddy Power did quite a while back. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm alone in that thought. but You never know. Stranger things just, just before we, we, we move on, cause you mentioned the, the Vertonghen no goal. I just want to quickly touch on referees because this is, I know people go, oh, bloody referees, you know, but it's got past the point now, I think. This is happening more and more and more. And and if you can have so much incompetence, like that linesman showed. Yeah, but everybody makes mistakes. That could be a very big mistake. I mean, it, okay, Spurs won, so it's not too bad. But imagine if that happened at, I don't know, Burnley versus Hull towards the end of the season. That that could make a massive difference. And something so obvious, everybody knows, you know, you can't be offside in your in your, your own half. Um and, and I don't know about what Greg and Tom see in League Two, but oh, I'm seeing more it's, it's genuinely disgraceful yeah. some of the officiating we've I've seen. I've seen recently at Leeds in the championship and this isn't just about this isn't a Leeds thing, because it happens to all the teams because we get the same refs. But the amount of decisions that are just wrong, just clearly wrong. And it's like, well, and, and it's having an effect. It's where you're drawing games you should have won, you, you're losing games you should have drawn. Um, and I, I don't know. At some point we've got to say, okay, either these refs have got to step up or... I don't think you can completely blame the referees, though. Obviously, on the ones like the Vatonga one where it's, it's, a, it's a yes or no thing where... It's clearly offside. It's clearly not offside, so. But this play is going down with the slightest touch, with no contact whatsoever. It's getting harder and harder. And this, uh, I think, about fifty percent of fouls given these days. You just look at them and you think, That's, there's nothing in that. The player, he's just fallen down, and he's not being hampered at all by the defender. It's it's embarrassing to see some of the some of the way players go down these days and referees just keep getting conned by it every week the other big one Tom is uh, handball when's it deliberate when's it not I don't even when it's I not it, 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 it doesn't matter sometimes even when it's not deliberate it's sometimes, a, it's sometimes yeah even, it depends it? on the referee so, whether you get it or not yeah it, it's, it's getting to the point where you might as well play the game and go down at every opportunity because chances are that you might get a dodgy ref who's going to give it to you, and that's going to drop. Yeah, that's right. going to drop the quality of the play. Um, it's a bit like um, 
Defoe for Sunderland, who was claiming for a penalty, shouldn't have got the penalty, um, because he just ran into the player over his over his foot and knee. But I think you're going to see more of that unless the, the referees sort of up the game a little bit. Well, we've been seeing it for 25, 30 years then. And if it's not for players trying to con the referees, the referees have an easier job to do. Plus, everybody makes mistakes. Otherwise, you won't get players missing goals and keepers flapping at shots. It's just the human element of football, isn't it? I think there's another part of it as well, especially when you start to get, as we've had, like all the best players in the world are coming here. I think the game's speeded up. It's getting faster and quicker and slicker. And I think the game's got faster in the Premier League. It's run at like 100 miles an hour. And the referees haven't been able to up the game in the same way that the players have upped their game and the quality's risen. So I th- Phil Dowd Phil Dowd doesn't look fit at all. Well, this is the thing. If you if you you know, is it a case you've got all these super fit superstar footballers and then you've still you've got you know, fat refs. You know what I mean? Who, who maybe you could have got away with in the 90s, but nowadays maybe not. I mean, I, maybe it's a I'm just saying maybe it's time to look at whether they should get given some help whether you get a video ref. It also It also doesn't help that these these referees refereeing their games have never played professional football. I mean, there's no professional footballers become referees because they know the amount of shit they get given. So how are you gonna how are you supposed to referee something or take control of something that you've never been involved in? It's, it seems odd to me. In cricket, you have umpires that and they've played they've played professional cricket, so they know all the tricks, they know what's going on, and they. They make they seem to make less errors than uh, than in football, and they've got video refereeing uh, to back them up. So I don't know why they haven't got video refereeing in in football yet. And until it does, it's just going to carry on, isn't it? Well, the amount of pundits and current players and managers who don't know the rules as well. I'm not entirely sure some of the referees know the rules properly. We had an a situation in the Portsmouth game last week where um, a referee's um, overruled a, a linesman's offside decision because of the um, a player was given offside for standing in front of being in the keeper's eye line and then touching the ball and the referee then um, overruled him and said it doesn't matter that he's in um, the keeper's eye line but then you see that it happened um, you know it happened at West Ham the other week where Alex, Alex Song had a goal just allowed. And there's just there's no consistency in things like that. There's no consistency in handballs. That's the whole classic, is he interfering with play? Yeah. It's, it's, I can't remember who said it, but someone said, um, if you're not interfering with play, why are you on the pitch? Oh, that's a bit pious, though, to say, isn't it? I mean, you could be a defender still on the halfway line if you're not interfering with play. It, it It's a difficult one. I, I, think, I think Greg nailed it. And, and, and Tom, you backed it up. It's all about consistency. I don't care what the rule is. You know, you say, right, this is the rule from now on. Bang. There you go. And everybody sticks yeah, a to referee, it. A referee has got half a second to make a decision. We're watching this on the telly and it gets rewound at half time and shown from different angles. And then we can see his incompetence. He doesn't get that, does he? Yeah, but he's backed up by two linesmen who are both in ear communication with him. So you've got three people who can make a decision. Now, if they, if they need a fourth, then and fine. Because there is a fourth well, well, isn't there? Yeah. Who can help. Well, he's not supposed to, is he? Well, I don't see why not. 
No, but that was the whole thing with Zidane getting sent off, wasn't it? In the World Cup, they said the fourth official saw it and mm. stepped over the mark and um, uh, and and told the ref what was going on. The problem is it it's, it's not it doesn't it doesn't help the game because what happens is you know some grounds don't have TV screens, but what you what you'll have is an incident happens, blah blah blah, bang, then there'll be a, a quiet part of play or half time, and they'll show the incident, and they'll show the referee up as making a mistake, so. Come the second half, everybody's on the referee's back. Now he's under more pressure because he's made a mistake and it's been shown on TV. So it, it just sort of snowballs. Um, I, I, I think, okay, it'd be a bit revolutionary, but I think maybe if you could trial it, maybe in the football league, something like that, um, where you had like somebody watching a TV monitor, might be worth a go. There's no, there's no other sport where there's as many officiating errors as in football. And if you look at last few years, every every sport is getting video evidence, video refereeing, stuff like Hawkeye and stuff like that. And it hasn't ruined any of the sports. You've got it in rugby with, like, confirming the tries. You've got it in cricket with Hawkeye and the referral system. Tennis. You've got it in tennis with Hawkeye. It's not ruined any of the sports. It's not really slowed down any of the sports. It's just been a, it's helped get more decisions right for a fairer game. It's not completely flawless, though, is it? I mean, you look at hotspot in the cricket and India refusing to use DRS as well. I mean, the controversy hasn't gone away, and you still get umpire errors in in cricket, don't you? I, I think less so than in football. Um... And 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 people say, oh well, it would it, it would add time to the game and detract from the game. I think it might actually add to the game because if you've got the big screen, you know, like in rugby where it's like, and everyone's waiting whether it comes up with try or no try, and everyone's going, oh, I think everybody in the ground would be quite excited by it actually. Um, so I think it could actually, if you did it right, add to the game. Um. Well, from that then, we're going to have a quick dip down to uh, the lower leagues and have a look at what happened this weekend as well. Big game in the championship was Derby beating... Oh, sorry, Derby losing to Forest, wasn't it? 2-1. Uh, Colin, you saw this and you talked about someone running... Yeah, pitch. well, well, prior to this, the, the build-up was that uh, Danny Mills had slated Stuart Pearce um, in a nutshell, basically saying that he was, uh, he was out of his depth um, and that he always sort of starts well. Um, as a man manager, and then he tends to get found out because he's not tactical so this, enough. This was Danny Mills saying this to Stuart Pearce's face, is it? Uh, no, this was on uh, Five Live. Um, and then after the match, which Forrest won, um, Pierce said he he apologises. Uh, he didn't listen to what Danny was saying, but he apologised for dropping him for Mika Richards, which was a nice comeback. Um, and then I was listening to six, uh, six of six the other day, and Danny Mills kept going banging on about it. Um, so I think they're just two people who don't particularly like each other. Um, but yeah, towards the end of the game, a Derby fan ran on. Well, we believe a Derby fan, um, and clocked a Forest player from behind. Um, got taken down by stewards, uh, and I believe the police are looking into it now. Always fun with that, so a little bit unsavoury, but potentially it did save Stuart Pierce's job that win. Mm. Uh, one for you, Greg and Tom. Uh, Rotherham versus Bournemouth. Rotherham lost 
Uh, or rather than lost 2-0 to Bournemouth. But these are two teams in League 2 not long ago, weren't they? They were on minus sort of 17 and minus 8 points, weren't they? Yeah, they were. Obviously, I know a bit more about the Bournemouth case being from the South case. Um, this was the same season that Luton had, minus 30, wasn't it? Yeah, that's when the Football League, the FA just went mental with their point deduction. We were quite lucky. Ours were only limited to minus 10. Imagine starting on minus 30, losing yeah. And well, it you... just shows that no, that that idea of momentum because I think it was um, uh, a couple of back to back promotions for Rotherham um, to uh, get into the championship and Bournemouth obviously not in uh, were in League Two not long ago with points deductions and and uh, they built a bit of momentum in that club and it just shows how you know, um, what a key thing momentum is in you know, the lower leagues of football. Do you look at those teams and think, well, maybe there's hope for us? Or cases like them? Um, I think probably you take Porter, for example, and even Leeds, I think Connor would be able to make up. They've been through the shit so much recently that it's kind of ingrained in the club. Um, you know, there's not that that mentality of success and going out and achieving things. Um, it's usually you know you take one step forward and then it would be two more back. Um, but you, you see, like Luton for example, they obviously won won the conference at Canton last year, and um, they're doing you know, they're near the top of League Two again this year. And it just shows that if you get that mentality within a squad and within a club, then that is the most important thing I'd say if looking to build a, a promotion within the, the football league. Hmm. Well, Bournemouth are top on 51 points. Then you've got Ipswich swapping places with uh, Derby after Derby's lost. Ipswich second on 50. Uh, Derby on 48 in third. At the bottom, you've got Blackpool on 17 points. They look like they're gone now, don't they? And then you've got Wigan. Gone. Yeah. Malcolm Mackay has failed to turn that ship around. He has, hasn't he? Is he being exposed as a charlatan? He is at, at, at long last. Um. I'm, I can't comment too much on on Wigan because I'm not too sure of um, how they're playing or anything. But it, it started off; they they ended last season fairly well under Uwe Rosler. Um, but they they've just not got any momentum because obviously last year they were playing in Europe and mm. they're just recently relegated from the Premier League. But it just shows that it has happened. A few times the likes of Portsmouth for Leeds again. Uh, it's happened with Southampton, Norwich. When you get you know, relegated once, it can, you can easily go down again. It happened with Wolves as well, didn't it? They went all the way down to the bottom, didn't they? Yeah. So, um, and Blackpool are another example where it could happen. But yeah, it's, um, if you get those players, a squad of players who you know, weren't quite good enough for uh, a level like the Premier League, and they might then again struggle to adjust to a league like the Championship. Mm. Okay. Well, do you want to talk about Portsmouth for a minute before we move on to our um, our game with Colin? How did they get um, on this week? Well, I drew one all at home to Burton. Um, not the worst point in the world because they're Burton are a good side, they're second. Um, but still, it's just a manner of the point going. Um, one nil up and then conceding with five minutes left after unnecessarily sitting back and 
you know, trying to protect a one nil lead when we we didn't look capable of doing that. It's just there's tactical errors, you know, present every game at the moment, and that it's costing us points. And we're there's sixteenth, and we're three points off the drop. And we haven't won in seven. And I don't think that's good enough personally, considering we have the biggest budget in the league. It's odd how you're mid-table, but only three points off the bottom. Exactly. It's, it, it, if we try a couple of wins together, however unlikely that is, um, you know, we wouldn't be far off the playoffs. So. Well, you're only 11 um, off the playoffs, aren't you? Exactly. Anything can happen. If you, anyone can beat anyone in that league. And, yeah, I, um, saw so, I saw someone say um, yesterday that uh, uh, we should be happy with a point against a team that's in the automatic promotion spot. It's, it's League 2, and you're at home. You shouldn't be happy with a draw any against any league at home to any League Two team. With the players we've got, the size of the club, we shouldn't be happy with a draw at home to Burton Albion. But that's the position we're in. I think that's being a little disrespectful to Burton. They're a good side. They've got some good players. Um, you know, they obviously they were managed by um, Gary Rowett, who's now doing well. Now they've got Jimmy Floyd at halfback, which is an interesting choice. Um, I think you've got to take, you know, we're in League Two for a reason. That we have League Two uh, ability players, and I think we need to. You know, we're not going to be able to win every game, but we should be able to compete in every game. We competed yesterday, but then we we did throw it away to some extent. Colin, yes, Chris, have you got a quiz? I have indeed. Shall shall we enjoy the pleasures of you tweet? I think so. Okay, so you tweet. Hopefully most listeners will be familiar with this. We had it on the last episode. I've been delving through the timelines of various Man on the Post team members. Um, I'll be continuing to do so over the next few weeks. And uh, it's just a quiz fun, really. You have to decide who you think sent this tweet out. And uh, I have delved quite deep into your timelines. Uh, last week we had one from four years ago. Uh, so... Uh, Everything's uh, fair game as far as I'm concerned. I dread to think what I was tweeting four years ago. <laughs> You'll have to listen to the last episode, Tom. Um, we got one of yours from four years ago. Oh, God. <laughs> the time, my time hop app is bad enough to cringe at. But... Okay, so here goes. Let's go with the first one. Who sent out this tweet? Has anyone seen my friend Tom? Huh. This is just from the three of us this week. Could be from anybody involved with Man on the Post. I might be a trick question. Tom, have you got a friend called Tom? Yeah, I have. Hey, it's going to be a trick one. I don't. I don't remember tweeting that. I'm. I reckon. I reckon I know who this is. Go on, Chris. You go first. I mean, I think it might. I think this might be a trick one. I think this might be Tom. Okay, Tom. Well, I've got quite a. I, I sometimes disappear on nights out, and I think Greg might have tweeted this at some point. Yeah, that's my. That's my theory. Correct. It is a Greg tweet. Did we ever find Tom? That's the question. <laughs> okay, let's try the next one then. This one's in capitals. What a fumble. Oh, Colin, I love you. 
Is it so? Is it just just us three? It could come from anybody who's been involved with Man of the Post. Ah, right. Could this be a Leeds one? Could this be Ross? That's why I might have thought. I No, I reckon it's uh, I reckon it's NFL related. Colin Kaepernick, something like that. Yeah. Oh, good good shout actually. I reckon it. I reckon it's either Ross or Adam. Yeah. I, no, I don't. Uh, only go for, only for Ross. Only go for Ross, I think. Yeah, Ross. It is Ross, and I believe you're spot on with your understanding, Tom. I, I believe it. It was American football related. It certainly wasn't anything to do with me fumbling Ross. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this time, at least. Okay, um, just a quick tweet, this one. Leaving the land of hideous accents. Who would tweet that? That could, that could be any of us. That could be anyone. Depends what your class is a hideous accent. Yeah. Who's been to Birmingham recently? Because that's the worst one, isn't it? Well, has anybody got an irrational hatred of a particular town? Hi there to all our West Midlands fans. <laughs> I've got a hatred for most places up north because that's, yeah, that's mainly that's mainly because I've been there for three hours and watched Portsmouth lose. Where does the north start? Watford. Above London. Above London. Righto. <laughs> right. It's Sorry, all right. It's all right. No worries. So, so who do we think sent that tweet then? Uh, I've, uh, Adam. You're going Adam, Chris. Greg, Tom? Oh, I'm going to go the only Adam. Um, it sounds like something I'd tweet, but I'd normally add something else onto that. Like, it doesn't seem enough anger in it for me. So I reckon it, I might, it might have been Greg maybe at one point. I can tell you it was Adam. He'd been to watch Everton. Ah. <laughs> So again, hello to all our Merseyside friends. <laughs> okay, we'll just do a couple more. Um, so, so here it goes. Who sent this tweet? Went to see Engelbert Humperdinck at the London Palladium tonight. <laughs> he was sick. No, really, he was sick. The show got cancelled. <laughs> oh, I think I know this is. I think I know this. Chris, yeah. do you know who yeah. this is? I think I do. Who is it? I think it's you, isn't it? It is me. <laughs> Greg Tom, sure you think it was me as well. Oh, yeah. definitely. We've heard we heard enough about this last season. Imagine if you went to an Engelbert Humperdinck concert and you got to sit next to Frank Lampard. That would be your ideal night out, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, it would be pretty good, wouldn't it? Imagine the selfies. Bloody hell. Yeah. Okay. Final one for tonight, then. Pretty sure I've just pulled the muscle in my left arse cheek. This is not enjoyable. Tom. Tom. Tom sniggered. Yeah. Are you you all going Tom? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. It is Tom. How do you manage to pull the muscle in your left arse? I don't know. I just felt like I was at work 
and I, I was walking, just walking, just walking around the bar, and it just was really tight, and it was just like every so often it just felt like a shooting pain in my arse cheek. When did you do this? I think it's happened on more than one occasion. Um, a few months ago, I think was the last time. So you did a mascarano. Sorry. <laughs> you did a mascarano. Did I? Yeah. Did he pull he, his arse cheek. He tore his arse open at the World Cup, quite literally. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a horrible sentence. Yeah. <laughs> it was making a left-ditch tackle and um, it ripped it to bits. Ugh. It wasn't that bad. No? No. Well, yeah, there's a thought to end the podcast. Well, <laughs> I think that concludes this week's episode of View Tweet. So more of uh, those gems uh, in the next episode. Look forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than ballers. No, it's not. Nothing's better than ballers. <laughs> ballers is a lot of Good old classic. ballers, eh? <laughs> With a Z. Absolutely. Footballers on ice. With the best <laughs> theme tune ever. Well, this one's got a theme tune as well, Tom, so you'll have to let me know what you think of this one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, unless anyone has got anything else to say or plug or anything like that, I think that uh, brings us back to the end of um, this week's podcast. Anything anybody wants to add? Any other business? Um, I've got nothing. Just a quick one from me. Um, Ross mentioned it on the last podcast, but we've got a couple of articles up on the Manor Post website. Um, we do really appreciate the articles that these guys put up, and uh, there's some really good stuff on there, actually, quite quite insightful and, and really interesting. So if you get a chance, yeah, take a, take a look at those. Manorpost.com. Pete Swallow and Colin Render, I think, have got them. Up, That's correct. Yes. Yeah, they're good. I've had, we had a quick. We talked about them on Thursday. The um, uh, how the stadiums of the future are going to look was quite a quite an interesting one. Uh, so don't, that's manlepost.com. You can check those out on. Uh, if they want to follow you guys, Colin, how do they follow you on Twitter? I am at cas seven zero seven. Greg, how do they follow you? Uh, Greg Kitchen. And Tom. Uh, Alano eleven. Okay, so you can follow you guys on that. You can follow uh, Man on the Post at Man on the Post. Don't forget to check out the uh, vastly underrated and amazingly fantastic Extra Time show. That will be um, that's recorded on Thursday, so that's available for uh, download on the Friday or over the weekend that's coming up. Um, if you do like us and you do like what you hear from us, then please leave us a review. Each five-star review on iTunes is very gratefully received, and you'll get a Man of the Post fridge magnet from Colin. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, you will, but as anybody knows me, then um, delivery might possibly take about a year. Um, so, um, I promise there are some uh, fridge magnets uh, that are due to people, and uh, I will get my act together and, and get them sorted out. But I am running perilously close, uh, low on... Um, fridge magnets so I think we may only have about five or six left so Get them quick yeah exactly these could be cash in the attic future items I tell you they, uh, so uh, try and get one now well get them where you can we're on 27 reviews on iTunes and we've been stuck on that for some time so try and get those up a little bit so if you uh, leave a review you get one of these last few magnets so do that please while you can so thank you so much for listening uh, thanks guys for coming on Thank, Thank you. No problem. Now, Rizan, thanks for having me on. That's very, um, very kind of you. Uh, Thank you for listening, and always remember to keep your man on the post.